uh, this morning that there's nothing but the blood of Jesus that could wash away your sin. I just want you to remember that. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's no other thing that could cover up your sin. And so um, I, I'm going to sing it, and you're going to sing it with me, all right? And we're going to have fun. We're going to put some soul into this thing because we're going to break you out of your ice winter preparation, all right? So just kind of stand up. Stand up, yep. Stand up, just stretch a little bit. Stretch a little bit. Keith, I'm glad you're here today. Good to see you. Just stretch. Look at the person sitting next to you. Say, I can't believe you're here. You have a case of the beauties this morning. Tell the person standing next to you, you have a case of the beauties this morning. Look at the person sitting next to you. Uh, oh, well, if you're single, don't say that to a married person. That might be kind of bad. But um, just, just say, man, I cannot believe you're here. All right, lift up this hand. We have growth track week, chapter uh, week two, not chapter two, but week two of growth track in room 210. Today, all of you, uh, just lift up your hands right now. Yep, all of you just lift up your hands. Really just stretch them out. Lift up your hand. We have uh, growth track is how we get involved at Bridgetown. Lift up your hand really high. All of you are going to week two. That's awesome. I can't believe you're here today. All right. We're going to sing this song together. It's an old hymn. Natalie just sang it. Uh, but we're going to put, uh, as she did, a lot of soul into it. And uh, I'm going to need your participation today, all right? Because there's one thing about Sunday that it should not be, and that is quiet. All right, I'm going to say that again, all right? <laughs> There's one thing about Sunday that it should not be, and that is quiet. <laughs> Here we go. Are you ready? I don't know if I'm going to be off key. Steve, you got the right key. I probably don't. What can wash away my sin? Come on. Nothing but... All right, just stop all together. Now, you're like, Casey, that was horrible. All right. Um, I got Steve on the wrong key, so I apologize. Um, I got to go a little bit lower because um, I can't sing as high as Natalie. Um, but we need all of you to sing. And if you have soul, man, put some soul into this. Why are you acting like that? You think being reserved is more righteous? Oh, all right. Well, I'm moving on. Let's go. Here we go. On three. One, two, three. What can wash away my sin? Yeah, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Put some soul. Whoa, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other. Man, you guys aren't clapping. You better clap today. Yeah. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now we're going to sing that one more time because you're really feeling it right now. I can tell. Some of you are still need your coffee, but that's okay. Here we go. I, what can wash away my sin? Yeah. Of Jesus, yeah. Whole again, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Give me some run. Here we go. Oh, precious is the flow. 
makes me white as snow. Shout it out. No. Yeah, you feel it. Now sing it like you don't want to be in church. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing it like Jesus doesn't mean anything to you. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing it like Jesus means something to you. Yeah, yeah, just, just give everyone a high five around you. Give everyone a high five around you. You're like, man, I've never done that on a Sunday morning. I've never done that on a Sunday morning. I haven't either. It's, it's okay. God bless you. Thanks for coming. My name is Pastor Casey Kindle, and uh, we are going to be led uh, in and through the Word of God. We're in a series called One, The Power of Purpose. Everyone's made on purpose, for a purpose, and we want you to know that last week we learned we, we serve one Savior. Our purpose is not a purpose unless we first see the person of Jesus Christ. If we miss Jesus, we miss all of our purposes. Jesus is the beginning and finisher of all of our purposes, all right? Jesus is all we have. Jesus is all we'll ever need. So I don't know how you've come in here. I don't know if you came in here tired. I don't know if you came in here happy. I don't know if you came in here fighting with your family before you came into church. I don't know if your kids were angels or demons. I don't know how you came in here, but I do know this, is that Jesus never changes. Your reality changes, but Jesus never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today, I want to talk to you about being one family. One family, all right? Now, this is going to focus on you looking at the person that's on the right of you and on the left of you. We are one family. We want to, at this church, reach people that are outside of these walls, but we also want to reach people that are inside of these walls. And sometimes we can take our family for granted. We can take our family for granted. So... What I want to do is remind you of what the Bible tells us we should do to help one another. I want us to help one another. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your spirit. Thank you for our worship team, Lord. You have blessed us with a worship team that is so amazing, that leads us right into your presence. And God, we have come here today to just to say thank you. We have come here today to turn our eyes and our perspective and our hearts towards you today. Lord, we want to be one family, born again because of Jesus, serving our community because of Jesus. One family that fights maybe together, but also fights for one another. Lord, we want to be family. Lord, and I just ask and pray that you'd be honored in this time, and I ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, I'm just going to pinpoint one verse as I jump into my message this morning, Mark chapter 6, if you would, if you would draw all of your attention to verse 34 in Mark chapter 6 this morning, and it says these words in Mark chapter 6 in verse 34, if you're not there yet, you can uh, let me know when you're there, just say amen, amen, we're going to read this out loud out of the New King James Version, uh, because that's just the Bible that... Uh, we follow along with right now, but if you have another version, that's quite okay. Uh, whether you have the ESV or the NIV or whatever you have, we're excited you're here. Here we go. If you can look at the screen just for a second and read it out loud with me. And Jesus 
when he came out, okay, I'm not going to let you be quiet today. I'm not going to be up here alone. Here we go. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion. Can you just say we, he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. I don't know what kind of family you came from. I don't know what kind of family has adopted you in or brought you in or you were birthed into. I don't know if you think your family's crazy or just all right. I don't know if you think your family is hard to deal with or it is happy for you to be around them 24-7. I do know this, is that family does matter. Amen? Amen. I have eight children. I have four boys and four girls. If I've not met you, I... That's who we are. We are that family. Uh, we were just at camp this this uh, this week speaking to 305 junior hires, middle schoolers, and my whole family got to serve every single person from leaders to middle school students. And I love that my family is this big. When my wife and I had our first date at Mikasa Sukasa in Newport Beach, um, we both said we wanted a big family. That, that was our heart's desire. She said, if you don't want a big family, we're not moving forward in this relationship. And I said, I want a big family. That's what I want. And we, we have a big family. But there are times where our kids, now that they're older, they get to go and uh, move on to other people's houses, and they get to stay the night at people's houses, and they get to go and be a part of other people's families, and um, it, it is amazing to see, but the reports that we get back sometimes, I'm asking myself, is that really my child? Because the parents, when they uh, drop off my children, they, they look at me and they say, man, this person was amazing. They were so kind. They were so helpful. They cleaned all the dishes. They swept the whole room. They went through the whole kitchen, and they even organized my refrigerator. Your child is awesome. And I'm looking at that child, and I'm like, are you still my child? And I look at him and say these words, can you bring some of that amazing back to this family? Can you bring what you brought to that family, the energy, the anticipation, the expectation, back to our family? Because our family desperately needs you to be a part of the family. I don't know about you, but every family member needs just a little bit of help. Amen? All of you have that crazy uncle that shows up on Thanksgiving and he's just like, what, what? You're like, oh, Lord, please <laughs> protect us today. All of you have, have, have family members that you're looking at and you're just like, okay, I don't know if we're going to hang out with you for a long time, but we're just stopping by. You know, we're just going to do that drive-by, right by. Hey, hi, God, God bless you, you know. Every one of us has that type of family member in our lives that, that we need to uh, be moved with compassion. But what about this morning if you were brought into a place where you realized that not only did you have an immediate family that you were naturally birthed into, but you have a super, supernatural family that you've been birthed into called the church. I love what John Stott says. He says, you've been birthed not into isolation for a personal savior. You've been birthed into a brand new community and a brand new family. 
You see, every single one of us in here right now, because of Jesus being our one Savior, we have one Father, and thus we have one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we've all become one family. Just look around you right now. Because of Jesus right now, you are sitting behind and in front and on the side of your family members. I know I might not look like you or have the same color, but come on. We are family in Jesus. You remember what I say, we're sibs from different cribs. We're brothers from other mothers. You know what I'm saying? We have family together. But I believe every single one of us just needs a little bit of help. And I want to remind you of what Jesus did in the gospel of Mark, that we would help one another. I love what one girl wrote, this young teenager. She said, I've been cutting for three years, and for a while I thought that things were getting better, but now they're just getting worse. None of my friends understand, and when I talk to my youth leaders about it, I feel like I'm letting them down and I'm disappointing them. I don't know what to do anymore. I'm so alone in the world, and I hate it. I can't stand it anymore. What do I do? I just need help. What if you were the person that was able to take somebody else's baggage in their life and you were able, they were allowed to bring it to you. They were allowed to bring their weight in your direction. You were the family member that said, I'll carry that for you. I will carry your weight. I'm going to carry your weight. And I want to be the person that would so carry your weight that I'm willing to get a little bit spiritually sweaty. So you can actually be spiritually strengthened. I will actually bear what is a burden to you. Do you see? That's exactly what the Apostle Paul called us to do in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. If you're taking note, the Bible says these words. It is for liberty that you've been set free, but do not use your liberty for an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. It's what the Apostle Paul told us again in Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. What if we were the people that would say in Romans chapter 12 verse 1, Bridgetown, that we're not lagging in diligence, we're fervent in spirit, and we're serving the Lord. What if Bridgetown was not known for stingy hands and cold hearts? What if Bridgetown was not known for how much we actually wanted just to be together, but how much we actually reached out to one another? What if we were known not for what we held on to because of fear, but what we gave away by faith for Jesus Christ? What if we actually became a family? What if we actually became a family? To the place where when someone is journeying on their way, that they have a place to stop because you will actually, as you wait on the Lord, you bear the weight of other people. Do you know what I'm saying? Jesus, when he is now taking his disciples in Mark chapter 6, and these disciples are called to be one family in serving all of these people. The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. But I want to give you a little bit of the backstory of what is happening here. Because I realize, as G. Campbell Morgan once said, he said that organized religion that does not make a disturbance is dead. And people that are alive and actually care for other people are people who carry each other's weights. 
we carry each other's weight. So what does that actually look like? Jesus has just sent his disciples out to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to see demons cast out, and they preach the kingdom of God. He's about to take his group, his family, away on a retreat. They're getting now tired, and Jesus wants to hear the report of what actually happened. So much so, notice if you would in verse 30, then the apostles gathered to Jesus. We know there's one Savior. They all gathered around Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place, and I want you to rest a while. Now, to the disciples, this is amazing because they've been bearing burdens for a long time. They've been preaching the kingdom of God. They've been carrying other people's weights for a long time. And Jesus says, come aside by yourself. I want, I want you to rest a while. It's like the guy from Hilton that called me on Friday. He said, we want to give you a deal in Las Vegas that you could have three nights stay for $99. You're like, is this for real? He's like, yeah, you're a Hilton Honors Club member. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, no, you can actually get away by yourself. I don't know if you've ever wanted to get away by yourself. I don't know if you've ever had problem with people where you just didn't like people anymore and you just actually just wanted to be alone. You wanted to have your blanket during the winter cozied up to a fireplace and a nice book in your hand and a hot cup of tea or coffee. You actually just wanted to be alone. This is what the disciples are feeling. Jesus says, come aside by yourself and I want you to rest a while. Now, the Bible tells us these words that when Jesus calls his men to this place, notice this. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So not only were they tired, but they were hungry. They were hangry. They actually found themselves in a place where possibly they've done all of this. They've been so busy that they didn't even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Now check this out. They're just with Jesus. Now a lot of times we just want to just be with Jesus. We're in the boat. And we're going to a place that Jesus has called us to be at. We're going to vacation and retreat and be with Jesus Christ. But this would not be a retreat. This would actually be an advance. So how can we be one family? Notice what happens. The Bible says, but the multitude saw them departing. And in verse 33, many knew him and ran there on foot from the cities. And they arrived before them and came together to him. Now notice, many scholars believe that this is about four to 8,000 people. Four to 8,000 people. Four to 8,000 people to go across the Sea of Galilee where Jesus was, was four miles. For them to run was eight miles. Where the disciples thought that they would actually have time just to rest and kick back and no longer carry any other person's weight, now they're coming up to a shore on their boat where they're surrounded by thousands of people. How can I help someone around you? Can, can you just ask the person next to you, how can I help you today? No, 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 really, really. How can, ask the person sitting by you, how can I help you? How, how can I help you right now? Because there are people on the side of you. There's people behind you. There are people right now in front of you that just need you to carry their weight for a little bit. How can I help you? Number one, write this down. How can we help one another as a family inside of this church? We have to have his heart. 
We have to have his heart. We have to have his heart. Notice the Bible tells us these words. Pick it up, if you would, in verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with what? Look at your Bible. He was moved with what? Look at the screen, if you would. He was moved with? He was moved with? Compassion. Understand, the disciples are going to a very private location to learn a very personal lesson. Jesus, when he sees the people that are around him, he saw them with compassion. Now, I want, to, I want you to fill in this sentence right now. In your notebook, on your phone, I want you to fill in this sentence. When I see people, I am moved with, no, no, you fill in the sentence of your life. When I see people, I am moved with, you don't have to say it, because some of you are like, I'm not saying that in church. I will not let this out. That is a sin. Yes, it is a sin, and you've already thought it in your heart. God already knows, so you're a sinner. He will forgive you. Just ask him. Listen, listen. When I see people, I am moved with frustration. I'm moved with frustration. I cannot believe that you want me to carry this heavy old old thing. I can't believe that you actually want me to carry this. It, this is going to break the stage. If you keep dropping that thing, it's going to actually break the stage. Every time you come to me, I just feel a little bit more frustrated. You just don't get it, do you? You just don't understand. And I have to tell you over and over again, and I have to be the one that's constantly picking up your weight. I have to be the one that's constantly picking up your weight. I'm not moved with compassion. I'm moved with frustration. Some of you, you've gone a little bit further. No longer are you just frustrated at them where you're seething inside. Some of you are just angry. When I see people, I'm moved with anger. I'm moved with anger. Ah! Holy Hulk comes out of you. You're just moved with anger. It's like every person I see, ah, I can't stand them. Every person, why? Because every person is just like the person that hurt you before. And you're moved with anger towards them. Anger is a natural emotion, but it becomes sinful when anger is now taken out on the person and no longer the problem. When I see people, I'm moved with anger, not just frustration. When I see people, I'm moved with hatred. I moved with hatred. I moved with hatred because of what they said or what they did or what they didn't do to me. They, they, I am moved with hatred. I, when I see people, I'm not moved with frustration or I'm not moved with anger or hatred. I am moved with bitterness. You know what bitterness is? Good, let me tell you. Bitterness is you holding on to something that happened 20 years ago. And you keep reminiscing it in your mind. And it keeps infiltrating your mind to a place where no longer are you able to carry other people's weights. Because you can't even manage your own. And so what happens is we continue to go over and over and over again in our mind. The Bible says that Jesus, when he saw the multitude around him, he was moved with compassion. Now, it's going to be important that we understand the definition for compassion, all right? If you would just write this down. The term compassion there that is used in scripture is given to us from a place where the Greek meaning literally means to be, uh, to fill it in your bowels. To actually fill it in your bowels. You actually feel this, the Bible says, this New Testament word, you actually feel this within your stomach, and it so burdens you about racism. 
it burdens you that it breaks you. You're so moved with seeing the homeless that you just feel it on the inside. You're so moved with marriages that are not right that it moves you on the inside. You're so moved with kids that are cutting that you just it just feel it on the inside. And you're so moved with, with kids that have been hurt physically and sexually that just it just gets you on the inside. You're just moved with compassion. You're moved in a place where it no longer can keep you in the same spot. You see, compassion is not just something that you feel on the inside, but compassion, the New Testament word, literally means that it works its way to the outside of your life. So when Jesus saw the multitude in outward perception, he was moved on the inside, and the Bible says he doesn't immediately feed them, so he began to teach them. Way before they needed the physical food, they needed the spiritual food of what it was like to receive what would really carry their soul to the next destination. So Jesus began to teach them. He began to teach them. But the problem is this, is that our hearts have become cold and our hands are no longer calloused by reaching out to people because we've been hurt by so many people in our lives that we no longer want to bear another burden. And because I don't want to bear another burden, I'm no longer moved with compassion. Jesus stepped out of eternity and into time. He was moved with compassion, not just for their physical needs of their stomach, but their soul, they were like sheep not having a shepherd. That's why we're going to five acres with the kids, 80 kids from the ages of 16 to 14 years old. That's why we're going to throw a carnival for them so they could know what it's like to have the love of Jesus tangible right in front of their midst. We're moved with compassion. That's why we're going to the Elizabeth house. That's why we're going to be a people that reach out to women who are abused and homeless and are have children in their body because they need a place to stay. That's why we're going to throw them a lunch and give them baskets and shower the love of God on their lives. That's why we're cleaning up this school. That's why we're painting. That's why we're taking out bushes. That's why Chris and Sabina go uh, with their team throughout the city streets is because they're moved with compassion. You see, when you love something, you lead yourself somewhere. And because of that, you're moved with compassion. But the great danger, when I look at the life of Jesus, the Bible says when he saw them, he was moved with compassion. His heart, the heart of God is always compassionate towards other people. Notice this, if you would. Why don't we oftentimes want to carry other people's weights? Well, oftentimes in America right now is we love our possessions more than we love people. It's easier for me to post a significant message on my Instagram rather than getting involved at Skid Row personally. It's easier for me to find myself in a place that might be safe rather than living dangerously for the Lord. And what's happened many times in our lives is we've become people who have bought into a lie of culture that the more you had, the more meaning you actually get. And so we take on more stuff, and we actually care about more possessions than we do people in our lives. Just test it. Well, don't do this. If someone scratches your car, how do you feel? Now, I'm not saying that we're not good stewards of what God's given to us. But what I am saying is this, is sometimes, even in my own life as a father, I have blown up about a scratch on my car, not realizing that I just broke my child's heart because I responded out of anger to them. 
We care more about possessions than we do for people. You know what else oftentimes why we don't help people many times in our lives is not only that, but we care more about uh, our position than we do for people. We care more about our position. Jesus is just getting off the boat. You would think that he would say, hey, make way for me. I'm about to travel down. Uh, give me a little aisle. No, no, no. They, they meet him right there. Listen, please. It's not about your position. It's about people. It's about people and knowing that people really do matter. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said the Holy Spirit will move them first by moving you. He says these words, if you can rest without their being saved, they will rest too. But if you are filled with an agony for them, if you cannot bear that they should be lost, you will soon find that they are uneasy about it too. Do you see what the Bible says? Jesus' heart was a heart of compassion. Write this down. If you're also going to help the person sitting next to you, just look at them and now say, I'm ready to help you. Say that to them. I'm ready to help you. I'm ready to help you right now. I'm ready to help you. I'm, I'm ready to help you. You're going to have to do this with his energy. You're going to have to do this with his energy. L listen, if we were to back up in Mark chapter 6, the disciples think that they're going to be going to rest. They're, they're so busy that they didn't even have time to eat. I don't know if you've ever had a day in your life where you've been so busy, you didn't eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and you wake up the next morning and you're just like, why didn't I even eat? Because you've been going on for so long. This was the disciples. They were so busy. The Bible literally says that they had so many crowds around them that they didn't even have time to eat. They didn't have time to eat, so Jesus says, come and rest a while. That shows me that food is not always going to be the greatest satisfaction. Jesus is going to be the greatest satisfaction. The energy that the disciples needed would not come from the food that they would partake in their mouth, but the Spirit of God that would fill their heart. Did you see what's happening here? Jesus is saying, hey, come aside by yourself and rest a while. Then when Jesus gets there, all of these people are surrounding. And the disciples must have been like, oh, I can't believe we're here. And we're surrounded by all these people. God, take me to a deserted island. You're going to have to do this with his energy. Can you just write that down? You're going to have to help with his energy. You cannot look yourself in the mirror enough and go, okay, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do this today. And when I hit the 10 freeway and when I hit my job site, when I go to school coming up, I'm just going to be on fire. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. On fire people spend time in the fire with Jesus. Did you see what, what's happening is this, is Jesus is saying, I want you to understand that your rest is not just going to come from a specific place. Your rest is going to come from a specific person. So they all gathered around Jesus, the Bible says, and, and all of these people are bearing a weight. I'm going to have to do this in the power of God's spirit. Why? Because... God oftentimes does not work on your timetable. And you've come up with a plan. Okay, I'm going to do this with this person, and I'm going to meet with that person, and I'm going to pour uh, 16 weeks into that person, and these are the things I'm going to get out of that person. What if the 16 weeks turned into 24, and the 24 turned into 48, and you just did not see what you thought you would see in the time that you thought you would see it. The truth of the matter is, is that it's your job to distribute what God's given to you, not to manufacture what Jesus is. 
Do you see that? Jesus is the manufacturer. We're just the distributor of it. So I'm going to have to do this with his energy. I'm going to have to have his energy. So much so, the Apostle Paul would put it this way to the church at Galatia. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Listen to what God told Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. How do I reach out to people that are around me? How can I be filled with compassion? I have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is simply you just surrendering. Now, why is this so important that Jesus would tell his disciples, come aside by yourself, you're going to rest a while here, and we have all of this that's going to take you to a place where you're actually, you're actually going to see a miracle. You're actually going to see something take place that you never thought would take place, but it's not going to be the way that you think it would take place. The disciples had a plan, but Jesus had a greater plan. I really believe that that's a word for some of you, that the disciples had a plan, but Jesus had an even greater plan. It did not look like the disciples thought it would look, but they experienced Jesus in a brand new way. You're going to need the Holy Spirit of God to do what he's called you to do, and that is to look someone in the eye and say, I'll help you today. I'll help you today. I will help you today. It's going to take the Holy Spirit of God to give you a place where you're going to be the a person that would say, hey, okay, my timetable didn't work with you, but guess what? I'm still going to reach out. I'm still going to reach out because I'm going to do this in the power of God's Spirit. Not only will we need the power of God's Spirit and His energy and His heart, but if you would just take note of this, notice if you would in the Bible, it says in verse 35 that when the day was now far spent, the day is almost over, your opportunity is almost gone, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Notice this, they said the hour is late. And then they said, send them away. Now, I don't know if you have people in your life that you just, hi let's highlight that verse right now. Underline it, put stars around it that you have said to God, send them away. That you've looked, you're in your prayer time with Jesus, you're like, Lord, send them away. You're just thinking over and over again. There are certain people right now that are popping up in your mind right now. Names that are coming into your, you're just like, Lord, send them away. It's okay, the disciples did the same thing and Jesus did not harshly just rebuke them. He actually invited them in just a little bit deeper into his character. You ever have that neighbor that's always asking for something more? They're knocking on your door like, hey, I just need a little bit more sugar. Or, can I have another glass of milk? Or can I borrow some more money? Or yeah, parents, you ever have a child that you just, it's just been a little bit difficult? No. Okay, wow, that's just me. Great. God bless you guys. You ever have a husband or wife that you just thought, Send them away, Lord. I know that you're not into divorce, but God, would you just send them away right now? I just want to be alone. I just want to be alone. Listen, if you're going to help people right now that are sitting around you, you're going to have to have love. 
Now, for our single people right now, they're like, oh, yeah, come on, Casey, let's talk about love. You know, I'm not talking about that type of love. I was just speaking with this, these junior hires, and we were talking about relationships with them and, and uh, how important relationships are and, and how every junior hire or middle schooler is just like, I just want to be in a relationship. You know, if you're in a relationship, your status goes higher a little bit more in middle school. It's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you think to yourself, I'm, I'm just like, I'm in a place where, man, this status is going up. Relationships, relationships, relationships. I said, hey, hey, guys, all of these middle schoolers, I was like, lean in. Let's try it. Just lean in. I, I just want to talk to you about love. Lean in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, come on, Casey. You're asking us to participate a little bit too much today. You're bothering me. Listen, lean in. And, and I just said, I'm not talking about that kind of love. And all of them went, oh, oh, what kind of love? What kind of love doesn't send people away? What kind of love does not send people away? What kind of love does not send people away? All right, I'll ask again. You guys aren't answering me. What kind of love does not send people away? The love of Jesus. The love of Jesus doesn't send people away. Now, I understand there's lines and there's limits and there's boundaries. And if you want to read a great book, it's called Boundaries. It will be healthy for you in your relationships. But there, there, there are times in our lives where we quit on people that God told us not to quit on. There are times in our lives where God said, I want you to keep reaching out with your hands, and you're like, I don't want to give my hands anymore. There are times in your life where God says, keep running towards them, and you're like, I'm tired of running to them. They can run to me for once. There are people in your life right now that you're like, send them away, and God's like, no, 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 no. Invite them. Invite them. You see, there's a difference between inviting and sending. And sometimes at church, we can have a sending culture but not an inviting culture. Because someone might look different or they might be too burdened and I don't want to carry that burden. And let's, let's get real. We just, I just want to worship. What if an act of worship was you carrying somebody else's weight? Because you love them. The disciples were like, send them away. But notice what happens. That they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So the disciples were doing like what I did with Claire last night. She's like, Daddy, will you make me a tamale? Daddy, will you make me a tamale? I'm like, from scratch? <laughs> do you understand? <laughs> what do you want me to do with this tamale? You, you know, no, no, we, we, don't, we can't make them from scratch. Um, we buy ours from Costco, yeah. <laughs> Daddy, will you make me a tamale? So making a tamale is this easy. Making a tamale is 2 minutes and 30 seconds. That's making a tamale for me. Bueno, you know, gringo, you know. That's making it. And I looked at her and I said, um, Evan. I mean, two minutes and 30 seconds. Evan, will you make your sister a tamale? <laughs> Why? Why was I like that? Well, I just preached hour after hour after hour. I was just on the beach of Malibu and did a wedding. And I was tired. And I was scrolling Instagram. 
And she's like, Daddy, will you feed me? You think if the father's heart would go bang, yes, the drop of a hat, two minutes and 30 seconds, that's all it would take. But I pushed off what I was called to do and gave it to somebody else to do because I said I was too tired. But I was not too tired to scroll through Instagram. Are you feeling convicted? I hope not. Well, I hope so. I'm sorry. You're going to need his love. And I, I want us to worship a little bit more um, today. And, and I'm just going to wrap this up right here, okay? I want you to have his patience, okay? I want you to have his patience, all right? I want you to have his patience. If we're going to help people in here right now, we're going to have to have his patience. Notice what happens in the story. The Bible says, but he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> Love Jesus. You don't have no way to give them anything to eat. Listen to 5,000 to 10,000 people. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he answered and said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. And then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had fall, uh, taken, excuse me, the five loaves and the two fish, the Bible says that he looked up to heaven. He blessed and he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples. He set before them and the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were what? So they all ate and were. So they all ate and were. They all ate and they were, when you're moved with compassion, people are filled with love. You see that? But it's going to take patience with people, all right? It's going to take, I, 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 I'm going to have to be patient with you. You're going to have to be patient with me. You're going to have to be the person that says, hey, you know what? I, I didn't see it that way, but guess what? I, I'm willing. I, I'm willing to, to go with you in the journey. You're going to actually have, have to have patience, right, wives, with your husbands? You're going to have to have patience. Can I get an amen, wives, real quick? Yeah, come on, sisters. Uh, can I get an amen, teenager? You're going to have to be patient with your parents? Don't say that, Evan. You're my son. You're... You're going to have to have patience. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to have patience when you're single. You're going to have to have patience with one another when you're dating. You're going to have to have patience at your job. You're going to have to have patience with your children. You're going to have to have patience with your coworkers. You're going to have to have patience with the calling of God on your life. You're going to have to have patience. So here, I've been carrying this weight, this whole message. Being patient means, hey, uh, as you wait on the Lord... I'm just going to ask that, that if I could just be a little bit vulnerable with you. This is really heavy. I've never preached with a backpack that was full of weights before, but I have preached with a heart that was crowded by sorrow. And if I could just kind of just be real with you guys, I need you. You look at me and you're like, Oh, you're Pastor Casey, though. You're on stage. Doesn't matter. I need you. I need you. And I have to cast my weight onto other people. And so I, I have to be the person that is not just transparent with you, but vulnerable enough with you to say, I need you. I need you. I, I, need, I, I need someone that, that, would, that would help me bear the weight. I need, I need someone that would come alongside in my life. When, when my mom died, I, I would need someone in my life just to, 
I don't know if I want to give it away. You ever been there? But, but when you release it to the person and you let them hold your weight, it releases the burden that's on your own heart in life. Oh, you know what? I, I, um, I was a little afraid when my daughter Claire stepped on a needle in Monrovia. Really afraid, not a little afraid. I was afraid when they said, we're testing for AIDS, we're testing for syphilis and hepatitis. And um, I was afraid. I had to come to someone and say, um, would you be willing to, in my life, w would you be willing to uh, carry this weight? And so we, we pass off our weight. Come on, come on. You're big enough to carry weights. Come on. And so I would say, can you, can you just carry this weight for me? I, I'm really afraid. And what happens in our lives is, well, there's another bigger burden in my life right now that my, my mother-in-law goes on hospice tomorrow for brain cancer. I could cry in private. I could share this in public. But I need someone to bear that weight for me. I need someone that's willing to carry that weight. And so someone comes along in your life and says, I'll hold that for you. I'll hold that for you. I'll, I'll hold that for you in a way that, um, that, that we'll, we'll get through this together. We'll get through this together. You all have little weights in your life, huh? You all have little weights. You know, little weights that, that you don't really think, that's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. And, and so you're like, but. Man, I have more, I, I have bigger weights that I could actually, I could actually put off on, on someone. And so someone comes along in your life and says, hey, I'm willing to carry that for you. I, I'm willing to take that weight upon my own life and carry that with you. I'm willing to, I'm willing to carry what might be large in your life, and I'm willing to carry what might seem little in your life. I, I, and I just need someone to carry the weight. Who's, who's going to carry the weight? Do you see what happens is this? Is when I am willing to, in my life, be transparent enough to let somebody else carry my weight, my load gets a lot lighter. We're one family. Can I encourage you to do this right now in this time when we worship the Lord right now for the next 15 minutes? Bring your weight. Bring your weight. What, what's weighing you down right now? What is it in your life that's just weighing you down? If you just want to come up front here and worship, if you want to come up here and get prayer from a leader, we're going to worship the Lord. You're going to cast your weights on Jesus right now because Jesus cares for you.